0: The Beer EDU Podcast, episode 18, student choice with Scott Nunes. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. Hey Ben, how we doing? Hey, I'm good. What's up, Kyle? Oh, you know, same old, same old. How about you? Um, it is the
1: first day of my spring break, and true to Northern Nevada form, uh, yesterday it was 65 degrees, and I was running around outside playing with kids, and now it
0: is snowing. So, it is snowing at your house. See, it's only raining at mine.
1: It is snowing in my house. So, yeah, yeah spring.
0: Yes. No, I did see. I saw pictures on your school's Twitter feed that you were playing sharks and minnows with all the yes. kids.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know what? I got to skip a workout day because I mm-hmm. ran intervals for thirty-five minutes. Yes. <laughs> with tiny ch- With tiny
0: humans. Yes. No, that sounded like a lot of fun. So. so but. Um, so hey, let's.
1: Uh, we probably should introduce ourselves. Um, you are.
0: I'm Kyle Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Anderson EdTech. You can find my blog at AndersonEdTech.net and I'll also leave a link in there for my much neglected video blog that I'm actually thinking about uh, just abandoning for now because <laughs> I just, I, I just don't, I thought it was going to be something that I was going to be able to do more often than my written blog because I put so right. much work into that one, but um, because I feel like it's not as important, I don't make it a priority. So, uh, And I've got some other stuff on my plate right now that I'm kind of keeping under wraps.
2: Yeah, uh, that's yeah, yeah. kind
0: of a big thing, so um, that's going to be taking up some time here pretty soon. And you are? Alright, I'm Ben Dixon. I,
1: you can find me at N V on Twitter, and I have a much neglected blog, Rummages and Ramblings. Um, that's over on WordPress. Uh, the link will be in the notes, and I don't know. I think I updated it a month ago. And I have a video blog, but it's even more neglected than yours. So we're not even <laughs> going to talk about that.
0: All right. So, well, you know, this uh, podcast here, what we do, we always do. We start out with a beer. So, Ben, right. what do you have this time around? So,
1: um, one that I, I'm surprised I've never had this one. And I love Sierra Nevada beers. I mean, it's well documented on this podcast that I've had many of them. And this is the... The Hot Bullet Double IPA, um, and this one—it's an imperial. It's in that imperial double category. It's an eight percent ABV, about sixty IBU, but really, really not super um, hoppy. I was actually surprised. Didn't it didn't it didn't taste like a double? Um, it's got a lot of pine and citrus. Very, a very typical West Coast IPA. Um, Kyle, what and what do you got?
0: You know, I went with something that. Um... One of my co workers gave me this. He was given, it was given to him by somebody to try, and he didn't like it. Um, he's a Coors Light guy, so okay, I'm not surprised yeah. he didn't like this. But he gave me this. It's called Golden Drac Ale. It's, um, okay. it's from Belgium, so it's from, I'm totally probably going to butcher the Belgian uh, language here, but uh, Brewery Van Steenberg is uh, who makes this beer. It's a Belgian strong dark ale. And it's 10.5%. So this is a beefy, beefy beer. Only 30 IBUs. Very malty. A little yeah. bit sweet. Um, there was a touch of booziness to it and a little bit of touch of funk because Belgian-style yeast, they, they have that little bit of funky character to it. Um, certainly does not, does not drink like a 10.5 though. It, it was really smooth wow. and went down real easily. So, um, he gave me four bottles. I I'm limiting myself to one. <laughs> so, cause cause this is such a powerful beer. But, um, I, I've said several times in this podcast, how much I enjoy Belgian styles and Belgian beers. Right. And I've decided that my first like true international trip. And, and, but what I mean by that is not mm-hmm. Canada, I love Canada. Okay. I'm not sure if I should count yeah. how much I should count that as international since they're you know I'm not gonna right. say the fifty first state because, you know, Canadians right. really don't like that. Right. But um I don't know. It's it's just not it's right there. So my I'm right. but I've decided my first international trip has gotta be Europe so I can go to Belgium yeah. just to have beer.
1: That that's that's a good call, man. That is de- that's
0: definitely on my list. So so maybe we'll do well, that together Yes, There we fun. go. So and like we like to do, we also yes. have a guest with us today, yes. and uh, we're going to introduce our guest and uh, what they're having uh, to start this conversation. So let's welcome Scott Noon's to the podcast. Scott, how are you doing today? Hey, good, guys. How you doing? Hey, good. You good. Know, doing well, doing well. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you have?
2: Yeah, so I have the Even Par IPA from La Quinta. We just got back from Q 2019, so got some of that and uh, ABV 7.2 and 85 IBUs. So, uh, you know, I pick up some citrus and some floral, kind of tropical fruity notes in there, but, uh, you know, on the hoppy side, that's the way I like it. And it uh, goes down nice and smooth. And what I like about this one is it's able to sip on it for quite a while um, and just really enjoy it. It started out cold and then uh, it took me so long to drink it, you know, down to the bottom here. And uh, it's a little warm, but it's still good.
0: That's good because IPAs, as they warm up sometimes, are not that great. Right, right. And this one's fine. It's good. Yeah, I actually had that one. That when I was at Q, I went to La Quinta Brewing Tap Room there around the main Dragon Palm Springs, and that was one of them that I had when I was there that night. So I can yeah. vouch that this is a good one.
2: Yeah, I think it's new too, right? Didn't they come out with it for the Open?
0: It may like the U.S. Open. Yeah, it may have been. um a new one. I'm not sure, so because um, I'd had a La Quinta beer before down in Palm Springs, but they didn't have that tap room before. I think that tap room was oh. relatively new, so I was able to try several of their uh different brews that they had there that night. So, who are you, Scott? Tell us, tell us about yourself.
1: <laughs> let's do, some, let's do um, some
0: intros if people don't know who you
1: are, because you kind of are on.
2: You're yeah, yeah. We know um, who you are, but right. So. I'm an up-and-comer, I guess you could say, uh, as, as we were talking before we started, you know, uh, I was kind of nowhere last year. I'm newer to education. This is my third year in education. Right on. and uh, just got on Twitter this last summer, and it just really blossomed. And I teach ninth and 10th graders here in Modesto, California, um, English arts and literature and uh, I love it, I'm all about being creative and the four C's and can go on and on about all the different approaches.
0: (laughs) Very good, so um, you're also a coach too.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, can't forget that. We had a big meet yesterday, so uh, that that was nice. Our season is uh, a little bit different this year, but uh, these kids surprised me. I thought we were definitely in a rebuilding phase um you know looking for some new up-and-coming swimmers but uh these guys really held their own the first part of the meet i was pleasantly surprised so uh it's grind time as i tell them and we're we're gonna work hard over spring break and you know come at these guys again and hopefully uh you know win this time around or at least you know close the gap a little bit more your
0: your season goes into the spring Mm -hmm. there in california then
2: Yeah, it's a weird season I guess, Um, talking to educators from around the country, so we go from February up until April, it's a real short season, we finish up our championships are April 13th, and then we have sections May 10th. So we'll be going to sections, thankfully we qualified yesterday so we don't have to wait until the end of the season to try, so we're going.
0: Normally, cool. you would have it, like, same time as, like, your winter sports or your spring sports. So, that right. must be tough for some of the kids that, say, want to play basketball or they want to play baseball or run track or something to where they might have a hard time doing that because swim season is kind of overlapping in both then.
2: Right. We, we've we lost quite a few over the years to okay. track and baseball. Right. Basketball is a winter sport for us, so no competition there. Okay. Um,
0: oh, so, we're okay, okay there. So, um, but I also see that you've got a few credentials to your name too. You're a Schoology ambassador, yeah. um, a Wakelet community member. I need to know more about that because I'm on the Wakelet train myself, and yeah. I've not seen this yet. So I'm surprised I don't know about this one.
2: Yeah, you got to jump on that. Uh, so of course, found that out through Randall uh, Sampson. So big we all friend know of the him. show, real big friend, uh, of the show. great guy. Yeah, yeah, he got me hooked on Wakelet at Fall Q. And then I've been riding that Wakelet wave ever since and just getting more and more involved. Actually, I don't know if I'll get in, but I just applied for their ambassadorship and then really involved with Schoology being an ambassador, which just basically entails uh, helping out new community members, troubleshooting, helping at my site. For my site, I like to do a lot of tutorial videos like, hey, here's how you do test quizzes, self-grading worksheets, even though... I am anti-worksheet. Um, I have some kiddos and some parents who are very much about mm-hmm. having worksheets. So I, I do still incorporate that, but I try to minimize how often right. I use them.
0: They have and, their time
2: uh, and their place. you know trying to get yeah right right,
1: and I think for some, when we think about school. I, th- I think some people and parents, I find this is their they, their, their idea about school comes from their own experience in school. So Correct. <laughs> when they don't see things like that, like spelling tests and worksheets and timed math tests, the things that we all know are like, Oh, that's not the best way to do it. They're like, well, why aren't they doing those things?
2: So, right. And that's totally what I came up against. And, mm-hmm. um, I didn't have the most support or as much support okay. as I would have right. liked from the higher ups on that so I kind of backed down a little bit, toned it down and incorporated that as like a right. student choice option.
1: And I think all of those, all of those can be useful tools It just, like you said, it's like how you use it and how you, you know, moderate
0: that with, with other things you're doing with kids. look, right. so, And you're also so. Nearpod certified, which I don't know a lot about Nearpod. Yeah. I do know it's kind of the uh, competitor to Pear Deck and I'm a Pear Deck certified coach. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, very similar, very similar. There are differences. I haven't been up on my Pear Deck game, so I don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, where they're at. But initially when I started with Nearpod, there were some data options. Um, I really liked with Pear Deck that Nearpod didn't have, but now Nearpod's there. And, uh, I really like how they have a lot of pre-made lessons. So if I'm in a hurry or just want to take it easy and not generate my own content, I can go in and, for example, Animal Farm, boom, they have more than I could ever ask for on that novel. So I just use their stuff, and that's great.
0: I have some promo codes that I can share with you. I can share one of those with you so you can try out some Pear Deck. If you've got a Nearpod one, I would love to dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, so- let <laughs> me find
2: one. If I ask, they'll give Perfect. me one. So I'll ask, i have to shoot it your way, and we'll have to have a battle and find out, hey, which one's better? Are they just a little yeah. different? <laughs> I think what it will come down
0: to, though, just based on what I've heard from people, is that um, do you prefer go formative or do you prefer quizzes? You know, just one of those things that, like, they're, they're great right. tools. They just have – it just depends on personal preference.
2: Yeah, I think that's a lot of it because Pear Deck was pretty good when I did use it, and then I just switched over because I switched districts, and um, they have – the full nearpod license so why not use it instead of the free pair deck Absolutely. one i was using cool
1: so then and then also your microsoft innovative educator what is what is that into? yeah
2: that's cool so i got into that this summer i went to a conference and got certified and basically i just hop on and help out community members if they ask i don't do a whole lot of that but i did okay. try to do that seems like there's. You know, there's obviously people above me. I don't remember the name of the highest level, but those guys, they hop on super fast okay. and they, they answer. So usually I just troll and I learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and right then I take little courses on Microsoft and I keep it up to date. So I Q I I did a Minecraft thing. And then okay. I also did uh, 20 AI options with Microsoft in 50 minutes, that was cool.
1: I'll see. And I saw that session and I missed that one. So
2: Ooh, I, I,
0: oh, I, so I was like, ah.
1: <laughs> well, cause we are, so my district is, is all Microsoft and we are, we, we've always been kind of a hybrid of Google and Microsoft. And then now this, this year they're like, okay, if we're going to do Microsoft, let's go all in, let's train everybody on teams and sway and all that. So I think as much as that stuff I can get and give out to my, to people I work with, I'm, I'm super excited about that.
2: Yeah, and I'm actually a certified trainer too, but Sweet. I haven't used that because in my district we have set trainers and set right. tech coaches. Right. And so they're against teachers doing that. So I'm being respectful oh. of that. Right. Um, and just kind of keeping it low-key. But maybe this summer I'll do a session and where they actually allow us teachers to do that right. sort of thing and I can get my continuing hours <laughs> so I can keep that cert. Cool. Wow. Well.
1: i'll probably hit you up on on a dm a couple of times because i'm gonna have lots of questions i'm sure yeah (laughs) and i'll throw in the show
0: notes too the um the microsoft educator community site where you can actually become an innovative educator yourself um i actually i've done this myself where um i haven't messed with it much lately because my district we use both google and microsoft but it's mostly google for working with students and then microsoft is what um like central office and admin staff use to send out emails and well, and then our um, we use Outlook for our email, so I haven't been using it as much, but um, but yeah, I mean it's it's really cool. You go in and you work different lessons, and you earn points when you, you when you complete the lessons and pass them, and then after so many points, then you earn your MIE badge um, to where you can put that in your email subject line, and you can go into more stuff, and then that's when you can get into the trainer and the um, I forget what the different levels are uh, out there, but yeah, you can right. There's yeah, a few you can really ones. build yourself up in, in the Microsoft community through the different trainings they offer online. And it's all free, which is great. But um, also, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit more, too, and I know Ben's interested, too. But you'd mentioned, you mentioned something about the worksheets and how you're not a big fan of them, but, you know, using that with student choice. But um, And I know you're a big advocate for student choice. So talk to us a little bit about the different things you do to, you know, give your students more choice in your classroom.
2: Yeah, so there's a few different things I do, um, you know, I try to start out the year small because this is pretty new, especially for the freshmen coming in, they're like, what? We have choices, just pick for us, which one do you want? It's like, no, you get to choose, you know, do you want to write an essay, do you want to do a Flipgrid? Um, do you want to do an art project that you do a voiceover for, those kinds of things. So. I usually start with a this or that option. Like, do you want to orally present this or do you want to type up an essay? Something as simple as that, this or that, or do you want to record a video or record an audio of you reading or presenting? And then being able to share that out to the class. And then um, that grows and then I start doing choice boards where i have maybe six to nine options and so for studying somebody like edgar Allan poe uh something i like to do is a a choice board that's a little bit larger with six to nine options and i give them both digital and analog options for example i have one part where it's a museum tour they can either do an online presentation or pamphlet rather or they can create a physical one And for those hands-on kids, they're going for the physical option. So I get a lot of those. Or they can do a dramatic recording. Some kids really like that. Or they can create a rap. They can bring music into it. Or they can make a song. uh, Or they can give me a graphic novel or a even more condensed version of one of his short stories or poems. And they really like those options. Yeah, I
0: think back to when I was in high school, I mean we did Poe, we did, you know, diff- different authors. I think about as far as we got for choice was which stories do you want to read and cover versus, you know, we didn't we didn't have the choice to come up with a lot of those different things. It was like, all right, you can read the Telltale Heart, you can read The Pit and the Pendulum, and uh, choose one of those and then you can write your response to that. That was the extent of choice, so it's it, that's really cool that you're given all those different ideas because I mean there's Kids learn in different ways and can express in different ways, and to be able to embrace those differences—that that's a that's a powerful thing.
2: Yeah, thanks. And uh, you know, I'm glad you brought that other option up. That's something I do too. So if we're reading short stories, say, hey, here are five short stories. You choose three, and then everyone is set up the same in my LMS, Schoology. Mm-hmm. And so they read the story, listen to the audio, um, study for a quiz. And then they can take the quiz as many times as they want until they get a satisfactory grade. Then they move on and do the next one.
1: Do you find, and then doing that, do you find, like, I I would imagine your engagement is way up than maybe traditional. Everybody's doing the same thing.
2: Yeah, it's way up. It's a little bit louder of a classroom, (laughs) which I I had to... I had to talk to some veteran teachers like, "Hey, is is this okay?" <laughs> they're like, "Oh yeah, that's good. Talking's good." Yes. Um, you know, expect a little side talking here and there, but as long as, mm-hmm. you know, they're still moving along and doing what they're supposed to, you're doing okay. And a well-engaged classroom is a well-managed classroom. I hate yes. that that word, but it's true.
0: No matter what it looks like, as long as you ha- if, if kids are engaged and uh, you know, there's respect in the classroom. I mean, I don't, you know, classroom management can, can take on different things. And I mean, I would much rather see a classroom that's a little bit chaotic um, with kids engaged versus right. just the sitting in their desk facing forward silent kind of deal because that, that to me is more compliance than, than it is management.
2: Yeah, it's instilling the, the fear there. I know sometimes like day one, when they first see me and they see my beard, <laughs> uh, it strikes fear into them. And then once they see me smile, then they're okay. <laughs> well, and, and I think, and like to Kyle, to your point, Kyle, I mean, I, I, so
1: much of of ELA or an English class or any of that is, it's not just the reading, it's the discussion piece. It's the writing piece. So like Sitting sitting in a row in a desk, you're really eliminating one of those key key things.
0: Right, and and I was I will admit that early in my career I was one of those like you're gonna sit here, this is what you're gonna do, this is what classroom management is. But I mean I've definitely grown from that as time has gone on. So, but um and to your point Ben, you know it's not just English class. I mean that it should be every class like that where right. every every class should right. involve that discussion piece where you know. I mean, there, there's other things you got to take into account, like in a science class, chaos in a science class could lead to, could lead to fire right. and explosions, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, there has to be a little <laughs> bit more structure in a class like that. Right. But, um, one of the greatest things I've seen was um, a math teacher, um, if you're familiar with uh, the 360 math. So Hmm. essentially, I I don't know a lot about this, and if anybody listening is more knowledgeable, we would love to hear from you, so tweet us, hit our Facebook emails, whatever it may be. But from my basic understanding, this 360 math is you have whiteboards all around the room, or every student has Mm -hmm. whiteboards, and essentially, the lessons every day are, the kids are on their feet, and they're working out the math problems together as a class all around the class where the teacher can see every student's work on these whiteboards and they can stop the class for a second, mm. say, yeah. you know, go through the steps of stuff and then say, OK, now you and your partners, let's work it out. And the kids, it's, it's loud, it's chaotic, but, you know, it's it's not that traditional sit in your chair. I'm going to show you how to do this for a half an hour. Right. Then you're going to do numbers one through 50 even or something like that.
1: That's way better. Yeah, and I
0: know um, Eddie Campos uh, with the whiteboards, W-I-P-E boards, um, he's he's a big advocate for changing up how math is being taught um, using these whiteboards where uh, the kids get these these white sheets that they work out on and they can be erased and you can either, each kid can have their own or they can uh, be moved, they can be kept in the classroom for the next class, whatever it may be, but um, just i i just i still remember about engagement and choice in math class and there just really wasn't much and i think that's kind of why i i didn't mind math but it never stuck with me and now it's like I haven't taken a math class in a long time and I don't remember a lot <laughs> of it. And you know, whenever a kid needs help with math, I'm just, I'm the last person that they want helping them. So, but I think, <laughs> I, I think if you're engaging students in different ways and giving some more choice and how to engage, I, I think yeah. it might may stick with them a little bit more. And that's across all subjects, but especially some of those quote unquote boring ones or the ones that I'm not good at type subjects like math.
2: Right. Right. I like how you mentioned that. That reminded me of that Q-boom you were in. Something related to that that I wanted to bring up was uh, in the Q-boom that you were in, Kyle, where Kristen Morales was presenting on, on math and how a lot of people talk about how they're not good at math. And she brought up, hey, you know, you have a good number sense. And she talked about how that really is being good at math. And so what if you have to use a calculator to... Figure out you know the exact number if you're in the general range That means you have a good number sense and you can be good at math you are and so many of us get caught up on not slightly really precise with it well,
0: and you know I'm glad you brought that up too because something else that Kristen Morales brought up in her speech was not just the thing about number sense But how so many people are so quick to say I'm not good at math but if a person cannot read well they're embarrassed and ashamed to admit that they can't read well, and it's something that they'll try to keep under wraps, whereas, you know, they're openly admitting, I, I am not good at math, and, and how she talked about how that needs to change, about why why should you be so willing to admit that you're not good at math, you should be just as ashamed to not be as good at math. Well, I don't think those are the words she used, but um, but I think you may understand what I'm trying to say here, right? That right. The so, sense. yeah, but, you know, and right. I just I never thought of it that way. You know, I I was good at math when I when I was in school. And now I'm. I don't want to say i'm bad at math now i just haven't done it in a long time so it takes some time to go over stuff but um right but yeah no but that's that's the thing especially with the students i try to help with the math and i tell i warn them ahead of time listen i haven't done this in a while so it's going to take me a moment but that's the thing like as soon as they don't get it like oh i'm just not good at math so right
1: but I think that's important to tell them, I think as as educators, we don't do enough of saying to kids, I don't know. Like, I don't know. We should try to figure this out because they expect us to know everything. So I think saying yeah, that's that
2: so true. People,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, I don't know. We need to look that up. And so I think for kids, it kind of takes that, that that fear of failure um, kind of lessening. You
0: know, so many teachers, you know, they're so afraid of being wrong in front of the kids that sometimes they'll just say stuff. Just to, just to fill the air at the time or whatever, or yes. they're they're so prideful that um, they'll say something and a kid will call them out on it. And not in like a mean way, it will say like, no, I don't think that's right, you know, or whatever. And you know, then they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm the teacher. Of course I'm right. So, uh, you know, I just, we just all need to be able to admit more often about how we're not right about something.
2: Yeah, I think there's a power in uh, being wrong. It depends on how you use it. I just showed my kids a TED talk on this and it's it's about not stigmatizing being wrong because being wrong can show you how to be right with something and we definitely don't praise being wrong. It's like seen as this bad, ugly monster but in being wrong sometimes we can really grow expand it's that growth mindset and having some grit and resilience and we need more of that oh yeah for sure yeah
0: I especially today I just feel like a a lot just the way our culture has shifted in the last 25 years or so Mm -hmm. um, because everything is so accessible and so easy to get sometimes um, so many people not just kids adults too if it's not like right there right now it's Mm -hmm. like oh well I just um I can't I can't get this or you know it must not just be worth it or anything like that there's just like the culture's come people give up way too easily nowadays and I just think that that's a we need to get back to you know that grit and resilience like you said Scott um about things whether that's you know something that's academic or you know physically demanding or whatever it may be
2: yeah, something I found that helps with that in the classroom, one of the activities I do that gets pretty much 100% engagement is doing a breakout EDU activity, mm-hmm. uh, either a digital or a physical one where the kids are working together and where there are challenges, where they hit those obstacles and they're like, "Uh, what do I do? I don't know this and everybody gets stuck and they have to work past that. Think it helps give them that grit and resilience that they need because at the end they're like hey i couldn't do this now
0: i can and yeah i really like that
2: cool that's
1: yeah just just giving them those multiple opportunities i think is key
0: yeah i've only ever mm-hmm. done the breakout once i did it at a google summit a few years ago and i remember it being a lot of fun uh but i just i what i need to do is go see it in action again i think because at the time right. I couldn't wrap my head yeah. around how to employ it with uh, my classes at the time. And I just, it's one of the most popular sessions when you go to a conference. So they're really hard to get into right. it. And I, I just have never been able to take a look at it a little bit further. And I mean, there's lots of great resources out there, I'm sure, uh, but just that's something in my opinion, for me at least, I think I'd have to see it in action in order to truly learn about how it works.
2: Yeah, it's one where I personally, uh, before I got started with it, needed a little bit of hand holding. So I had my buddy Matthew, who's on our uh, TNT EdTech podcast, help me out. He, he really like broke it down like, hey, you need this kind of element, that kind of element. You could go digital or physical here and there. And we watched one. We watched another teacher do one live. Um, We have this thing in our district called how did they do that live where we watch a teacher give a lesson uh, quasi live, but then we comment and get feedback live from that teacher so we can ask that teacher questions like, hey, how'd you do that? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? You know, What were the outcomes? And then there's like a little debrief where they talk about what went well, what went wrong, how they'll do it again next time. And so that like springboarded me into trying it. And it went great. It's a lot of time up front, but it's something you can quickly recycle and tweak to make other breakouts. Oh, that's awesome.
1: I, lo- yeah. I, I love that idea of, of getting to watch them too. I think that's that's key too. is it's, I think Kyle Kyle hit on it is you got to see somebody do it. that's that's
2: right. I think with that one, uh, it works best if you see somebody implement right. it even if it's just a video online it's so helpful to just see it work out and see the kids work out the problems
0: very good so so you've mentioned a lot of different things you know that you're using between things like flipgrid and nearpod and breakout edus and you know trying to give your students a lot of different choice you also mentioned very early on that you're only in your third year teaching so i mean you're a relative newbie still yeah. uh but you've got a lot of great ideas now mm-hmm. but I, my, my question is, do you get a lot of pushback from veteran teachers uh, because, oh, he's only a third-year teacher. What is this guy going to teach me? Or So what kind of, Do you get any pushback or is there buy-in with what you're trying to do and share with people?
2: Uh, You know, I'm at the point now where there's not buy-in. I think I'm seen as like the crazy guy now because I'm doing so many things that revolutionary educators are doing. And many people at my site, they're great teachers, great, great teachers, but many of them aren't trying new things. Some are, don't get me wrong, but it's maybe like one thing, and for them that's good, but for me, I'm young, I'm not burnt out yet, uh, so I'm trying a bunch of new things, and I'm not afraid to fail, and I think that's the big difference. Like They're afraid to fail. They have something that's worked for them, they're very much in their comfort zone because they're all seasoned vets most of the teachers at my site have been teaching 10 years or more there's a few of us newbies uh, but most have been in the game for a while and so they really don't like to try new things but every now and then you'll have somebody who surprises you
0: yeah I was interested in that because I mean I'm a I'm a veteran of almost 14 years now Ben you have Mm -hmm. what are you at now Ben? 20, 20, yeah, so, 20 you know so we're all you know part of that generation of teachers where right. know, we very easily could fall into that trap of you know just doing what we yeah. do because it's worked for so long or it's the easy way out or whatever so but i mean we're we're different you know we we have that mindset of you know trying different things but you know i mean we all mm-hmm. work in sites where it, you know there's no school anywhere in the world where everybody's you know trying everybody's trying different stuff, you know, you're always going to have those people. Yeah. But I know that I can remember early in my career trying something and, you know, just getting the eye roll or or whatever it would be from those veteran teachers like, you know, why are you putting in that kind of effort? And even now, like especially because I'm the new guy at my site, you know, just only being there for like 7 months mm-hmm. now, you know, you, I I see you know, you talk to people and they're just like, you know, why would you do that? So, and it's, it's definitely frustrating, but it's not enough to where it's going to stop me.
2: Right. So at my site to kind of clarify, they're supportive, but they're just like, Hey, that's your thing. You know, I'm not necessarily getting a bunch of them to buy into what I'm doing now. There are some, there was a 30 year veteran teacher who completely went digital and she's taken off with stuff. She reminds me of uh Tish Richmond, um, from Make Learning Magical. Uh and she's just totally revamping her foods and nutrition program. Uh but that's more rare. She's like the exception.
0: Yeah, well if we can make those exceptions more of the norm, you know, that's you know, that's what right. we're shooting for here. So in between the three of us and then all of those that mm-hmm. We interact with online when we go to conferences at our school sites. You know the that that's the motivation, in my opinion. That where if we can motivate more people to be like us, and I'm not saying what we're doing is the right answer, but just to be more like us in regards to right. taking the risks and um you know embracing right. failure and and feedback from people on stuff, whatever. Um that that's the goal I think is. You know where we can start incorporating more of these you know engaging lessons the choice that um, you're very passionate about uh, so on and so forth
2: yeah I think it's all about taking risks and accepting those failures like hey I fail a ton but it's because I fail a ton. I'm able to get these big wins I'm not afraid of failing and looking foolish in front of these kids and I'll own it and I'll take that and use that as an example like hey Remember when we messed up on this? But look, now I'm taking that and I'm applying it to this unit, and that's why you guys really like this unit because I learned from that mistake. Yeah, that's that's I mean that's the key
1: right there. I think I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from 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 this conversation with you is like that your 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 willingness to take those risks and kind of show kids what uh, what that can look like where where that learning comes from. So.
0: So thanks for sharing that with us, for sure. Yeah, and uh, for the listeners out there, we want you to get involved in this conversation too and share your thoughts on um, all these great topics that Scott has brought us today. So you can email us at beeredupodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Uh, we're very active on Twitter, all of us. You can tweet us. Um, use the BeerEDUPod hashtag. Tweet our BeerEDUPod account. Um, again, my account, at AndersonEdTech, Ben at BDixon NV. Um, Scott, did you share your Twitter account? Very nice. Yeah, and then um, we also have our Facebook account, uh, the Beer EDU Podcast page. Um, you can send us a voicemail using the Anchor app. And then please help others find this show. Um, review us in iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. And then, Scott, you came on the show because you went to our website, bit.ly, slash Beer EDU Podcast, and you went to the contact and subscription info link, and you completed our guest form. And that's how we're able to bring you on so if you're interested in being a guest on the beer edu podcast that would be lovely for you to go and fill that out
1: yeah for sure hit us up on there and now i think it's the part of the podcast where we're, we're gonna we're gonna learn about beer and kyle kyle what do you got for us this time
0: i've mentioned how much i love belgian beers a lot on this podcast belgian styles belgian right. beers from Belgium, whatnot so um one that comes about up around this time of year um believe it or not it is spring in some places in the world um i don't think it's here in northern nevada quite yet um not but yet. um there is a beer style that is called a saison that is b- really getting a lot more popular around the united states and Uh, If you go to All About Beer Magazine's website, allaboutbeer.com, this is where I got a lot of this information, that a Saison, it's a Belgian style, and it's historically brewed in the springtime, so it could be drank in the summertime. So it's typically brewed with pale malts. The color ranges from like a yellow to an orange, and then they usually hop it with Belgian or English hops. And what you end up getting out of this From the hops and then the Belgian yeast strains that are used you get these really nice citrus and fruity flavors that come out of it So it's a really great refreshing beer for the summertime and A lot of times they are very highly carbonated too, very very fizzy and That's because not only do they put yeast in the brew kettle and let it sit In the initial brewing process, but when they bottle it they add yeast to the bottle we call that process bottle conditioning And that adds more carbonation to the bottle. So you get these really nice fizzy um, beers with these nice fruit and um, citrus flavors to them. So um, some great examples of this. One of my favorite beers of all time is the Tank 7 from Boulevard Brewing out of Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember having this in Kansas City a few years ago. And... My wife would not let me buy the case of it at Costco. It was it was fifty two dollars for twenty four bottles. Yeah, she she wouldn't let me, so I ended up just buying a couple of bombers and keeping them for a little while because they're just so good. But then they finally started yelling selling, not yelling selling Boulevard in Nevada. So now you can get Tank Seven here in Nevada, and I believe you can get it in California and a lot of the other Western states too.
1: I've, I've seen it here. I've seen it here. My my f- I've never had it bottled. Uh, the Brasserie St. James, uh, one of my favorite places here in Reno, they do one called uh, Daily Wages that's pretty awesome on draft.
0: And then another really good one is one called Cezanne DuPont. I believe I – got to double-check this. Mm-hmm. I should have looked it up ahead of time. But I believe it's a, from a Belgian brewery. Um, that's a really good one too. And I know you can get that at your big box – uh, liquor beer stores like your BevMo's and your Total Wines so they used I right. forget what place it was there was a restaurant in Las Vegas that I liked when I lived there that they had bottles of it that I, I would get one every time I go because it's a that's another really good example so but a lot of brewers are starting to do their own versions of them as well which is nice because this is a really good style
1: well there you go now that's a great spring beer. lead us into yeah, so warmer if, if weather will
0: ever come because right now uh-huh. I yeah. saw they're talking about <laughs> opening day for the Reno Aces Triple A Ball Club coming up here in about a week or so or, or two. Uh, oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, you've never experienced opening day baseball no, in no, Reno, if, man. It's probably, it's probably like <laughs> opening day back in Michigan where it might, <laughs> it might snow. Yeah. Yes, it will. So, it, oh, it probably will. Well, Scott, thank you for coming on, joining us here today. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for so having me. A, that's yeah, awesome great, conversation great about some really great topics so um and again listeners make sure you're following him on twitter uh this guy wasn't even on twitter yes. until like last july and now he's just all over the place so just got got some great stuff on there too check it check out what he's posting so, hey thanks guys yeah. And I then also it. check out his Thank podcast you. tnt education with yes. um matt ketchum that's a There are a couple episodes in, and uh, it's, it's pretty good. I've listened to both episodes. So, all right. So, well, until next time, everybody, may the malts and the hops be with you. Right on.